What's going on, Drinking Buddies? Brand new podcast. Real quick, before we do the thing, just a quick word from things that make a little money. First and foremost, we were brought to you by the video versions of this podcast. That's right. Experience the madness in full HD on Vimeo for $6 a month or 99 cents an episode for all 112 episodes that are on Vimeo currently being added all the time. Check that out today at awd.net slash videos. Once again, that is awd.net slash videos. Experience the madness in full HD. We are also brought to you this week by my Twitch stream. That's right. Since the pandemic started, I have been Twitch streaming. And boy, we're having a good time with it. Come hang out. If you're listening to this on Thursday, every Thursday night, I play with the community in Goose Goose Stuck, which is a Among Us clone, and it's a blast. So come check that out today at twitch.tv slash Slayer. Once again, that is at twitch.tv slash Slayer. And last, but certainly not least, we have an Amazon affiliate link in the show description. I know you're shopping on Amazon. I know it. Don't lie to me. You're shopping on Amazon. Clicking on that affiliate link costs you nothing and kicks a little money back to the show. It is super appreciated. It helps us out quite a bit. So click the link next time you're going to buy something from Amazon. Don't worry. I won't judge. All right. Let's get on with the show. My guest this week is director, producer, Zach Schilwachter. I probably butchered his fucking last name, even though he told me how to say it. I'm a little hungover. Kind of a rough night last night. Zach and I really just kind of geek out on movies and television this whole whole fucking episode. It was a lot of fucking fun. I've known Zach for years. I've been wanting to get him on the show. We had a good fucking time with it. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy Drinking Buddies. How the hell are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be finally on this podcast. I've listened for a while. You've been all over the place. So no. I finally get to sit down and chat it out. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Before we got on, you said you were working on props for a music video. What the hell are you doing? Oh, uh, so it's this guy. He used to write music for like Motionless and White and tour managed with like Mushroom Head and uh, Twisted and like a bunch of other stuff. And he approached me to do a uh, music video forum. So I'm currently in the midst of building all these different props and set dressing because it's a super low budget music video. Um, and that's, that's my background and, and film and, and TV and stuff is uh, I got my start in the art department building props and set design and scenic painting and things like that. Very cool. Very cool. Like you just named like a who's who of like Ohio, lower Michigan fucking bands right there, like mushroom head and fucking twist. Like, oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's just it's the weirdest music scene in cleveland like it constantly kind of evolves but then these like pockets don't evolve like there's still you know people seriously taking emo and screamo seriously um i i don't know if they're like on aol instant messenger just <laughs> telling people to come to their shows kind of deal they're like name age location right yeah 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 <laughs> like what up girl you of age like 
I don't know about you, but I remember back in the day, like trolling people, like just making fake screen names and like trolling people in AOL chat rooms and shit like that. Just for the fuck oh, of it. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I remember like, uh, when you signed up for like ICQ, people thought you're like hacker. I'm in the matrix kind of thing. <laughs> Oh man, oh, man. we are showing our age being like ICQ. There are going to be people that are listening to the show be like, the what? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, I love all the people that are using dial up to listen to this right now. Oh, I know. I know. It, 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 we're old. We're, we, we are showing how old we are. <laughs> people are like, what's that modem? No- what? What's that horrible noise? What? I, yeah. I don't get it. What? You don't have multiple stacks of like AOL free three hour. <laughs> internet access remember they would mail that out like with samples of tide oh yeah dude you used to just cover the right protect hole on the floppy and like oh i just got free floppies now yeah pretty much yeah it was a sad day when they went to see cd's where it's like oh man now i don't get free data like well free fucking media shit yeah fucking zip drives and all that other nonsense i remember when back in my day Zip drives were like a valid form of like backing up your hard drives and shit like that. Like, right. Yeah. They were like the beta max of uh, digital storage kind of thing. Yeah. Zip drives were, you know, tape backup. Fuck. Right. Yeah. You know, everyone's running around with floppies and things like that, trying to see how much, you know, dial up porn they could <laughs> keep on their hard drive kind of thing. Dial up porn is, oh, oh. You would pop before you saw a tit as it just scrolled. Oh, dude. I remember when that Tommy Lee, Pamela Anderson video dropped. Like, my buddy was like, dude, it's downloading six hours from now. I'm like, get out of here. I know. We went through such efforts to get our nut back in the day. Right? All the viruses from LimeWire and Kazaa. Oh. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This, uh. LincolnPark.mp3.exe, totally music too. <laughs> Just internet aids everywhere. Right? Yeah. 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 Fucking the wild west of shit. Kids these days will never know the pain. They just fucking go to the hub. Oh, yeah. 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 And I mean, there was like, it was the wild west because there was, uh, you know, I still remember like all the shock sites and things like that, like rotten.com. Oh, I remember rotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when Daily Motion kind of first started, that was all the super creepy shit from Europe. Um, uh, my personal favorite was Style Project. Oh, oh. Jay Style, if you're out there, here's a shout out to you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably like wearing a diaper, jerking off with his own poop right now. One would hope, one would hope he's in that happy yeah. place. Yeah. We brought just full circle the diapers before, which was a, a brief conversation before we got on air. Yeah, yeah. So make make sure you're using protection, folks. And don't <laughs> use dollar store diapers. It will just end poorly for everyone involved. Oh, man. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, if you're going to go diapers, you gotta you got to spend a little money. You got to you know, class it up a little bit. Yeah. I think I'd rather eat like dollar store steak before I wore a dollar store diaper. I probably need both. Yeah, I mean, point. if you buy the dollar store, you definitely need the dollar store. Well, actually, you may need multiple, multiple diapers at that point. Ooh, dollar store stick. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I ever, love we're off to a hot start with this. This I, is this is amazing. This is how how the show rolls sometimes. <laughs> Have you ever gone for like the dirt cheap steak and uh, lobster deals in, when you've gone out to Vegas? 
No, no. I remember this has to be ABN like 2011. Me and some friends, instead of going to the award show, went to get steak and lobster at one of the casinos down on Fremont back before Fremont was nice again. And I swear, I don't know what part of the cow, if that was even a cow that that steak came from, but it was like, this is going to blow out my colon and it isn't even tasty while I'm fucking eating it. But it was like the $10 oh. steak and lobster. So you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've eaten like all over the world. You're extraordinarily well-traveled. Mm, a, little, a little bit. A little bit, dude. Your passport probably looks like fucking wrapping paper with as many stamps that you probably have on it. It's actually quite naked right now because I just had to get a new one. Uh, well, I, feel, I mean, I feel so dirty doing too much with COVID and all that, but open the world opens up before, you know, there's another variant. But oh, I mean, I think it's a little too late. At least here in LA, the Delta variant's running wild and people are just acting like, eh, we're vaccinated. It's all good. And I'm like, Apparently it's not all good. I almost, I mean, I'm happy to be vaccinated. Sorry to anyone who's listening. Who's like, mm, you're going to be a zombie in a year or some bullshit. I'm happy to be vaccinated, but I'm also like having that little taste of freedom of like going out to restaurants and bars again, and it's going to get snatched away again real soon. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, come, you know, you get the vaccine and you kind of get that taste of freedom of being able to go to a restaurant or a bar. And you're just like, I was awkward before quarantine. So now coming back out, I'm just like, oh, where's all my people skills? Uh, I guess I'll just tip, you know, 40% because uh, you're all suffering. Um, and I want to try to make it a little bit better. Thanks for the mozzarella sticks. Please don't cough on them. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. How are things there in Cleveland? Uh, I mean, they were doing all right with the curve, but now it's it's spiking and, uh, you know, going back to mask my mandates and, you know, People were complaining and, and bitching about that. And it's just like, dude, you didn't do too hell of a lot the first time around. Um, and that's, I think, the most infuriating and frustrating thing about it all is like, we could have stopped all this, you know, in six, eight months. You know, granted, you have some dumb dumbs that are going to stomp their feet and dig into the sand. But man, like, imagine, imagine having to tell your grandkids that you protested for a haircut. Remember all those chuckleheads? Oh, yeah. But I don't think they're going to be telling their grandkids because they're probably going to be dead before they have grandkids. So, eh. Yeah. Like, I, I, I hope they're sterile anyway. So I hope go. a lot of people are sterile. Like, I, I wake up every morning. I pray to the deity. I don't believe in it. And like, man, I hope a lot of people just in my general vicinity are sterile, including myself. Like, I, I hope I'm sterile. Yeah. Well, the vaccine will turn you into a 5G tower. So anybody that wanders too close, that radiation that you're emitting will will probably make them sterile. So there you go. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, raw, raw dogging it is. I mean, if the world's going to end, you might as well. You know what I mean? I, um, I maybe was doing it before the world was going to end. Um. <laughs> well, here, I have a question for you because I got into this conversation with a friend of mine. Um in your workplace, if the world was going to end, like you get this announcement, like uh, one of those texts, you know, you get from the president. You remember when Trump texted everybody that one time? Uh, you get a text. Uh, Asteroid's going to hit the world in an hour. You're stuck in your place of business. Do you have like a Rolodex of your workplace people that you would have sex with? I mean, I'm at work right now. So, yes, I would have sex with me. Well, there you go. I mean, Diaper or not. Right. 
I mean, <laughs> if the world's ending that quickly, I'm probably not going to even get the diaper. I'm just going to grab the lube and hope that the hub servers aren't going down. I'm not going to even spend the time to log into a pay site. I'm just like, quickly. Wouldn't yeah. that be the yeah. worst, though? Like, the world's ending and you can't decide who you want to masturbate to? <laughs> You're in, like, page 283, still scrolling. Like, yeah, you're, like, doom scrolling through fucking, like, this is my last nut. Who do I give it to? Yeah. Fuck. I can't jerk off to 720p. What is this resolution? Oh, God. I remember when porn first went to HD and, like, people I was working with were like, I, I-, I don't want this in HD. Like, they could see pores and imperfections. <laughs> and now people are like, oh, you want to shoot porn under 4K? Right, yeah. The thing I love most about porn nowadays is there, those are all the advancements in terms of cinematography and camera work because they have to work so quickly and repetitively. And it's, you know, I love jumping on Twitter and just being like, Hey, what camera is worth a shit? What are you editing with? What are you lighting with? And uh, you know, most of the time you'll get those kind of replies because you know, they, they love to geek out about tech and all that and not, you know, some random dude that's just like, what do her feet smell like? Actually, as being someone who works on set, like, shit runs the gambit. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot of OnlyFans content is just shot on people's iPhones. Yeah. Like, no exterior sound. They're just iPhones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're getting better and better. I mean, I've done a couple short films on iPhones, and, I mean, the portability of it and just the ease, I mean... um, and they make so many different accessories. Like you can jump on Amazon and get like macro lenses, micro lenses, fisheye and all that for dirt cheap. Get a cheap um, gimbal that is just for your phone. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, there's other more serious filmmakers that are, are showing people that they can do it. Like, um, uh, the, the film tangerine. Yeah. I was just, about um, to- yeah, that movie's amazing. And granted they, you know, they, they had a little bit of different accoutrements and, and all that, but, um, the one that's really cool is if you search for the Nightmare on Elm Street iPhone. Did you see that one? No. Oh, so they got the DP that shot. Uh, I think it's uh, from the, f- I forget which one it is. I want to say three, but I might be wrong. But uh, they recreated from the movie uh, and then shot it on iPhone. And it, they put it side by side from film to iPhone. And it's amazing. I highly recommend you check it out. Well, what three came out in what year? Like that's gotta be early nineties at the latest. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine even a cinema camera was as good as an iPhone at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to see like what people can do. Like, you know, if Roger Deakins shot on an iPhone, like what Blade Runner 2049 would look like kind of deal. Well, so much shit is like, I'm learning now. And like, I didn't fucking know. It's like, it's not, your camera is definitely important, but like lighting and actually skill and framing and shit like that matters so much more than just the camera. There's myself included was just like, Oh, if I had a really nice camera, I could shoot something beautiful. Like mm, not if it's lit like shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some amazing photography just done with, you know, those disposable cameras you buy at any drugstore. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that the more accessibility that people have, the more talent you can nurture, um, you know, and yeah, it's a double edged sword because now there's just so much content to kind of pour through. Um, I really wish we had those kind of days of like, you know, Elvira or, you know, Rhonda Shear up, up all night kind of deal, um, you know, kind of curating what's 
floating around in that white noise when you spend, you know, 25 minutes trying to decide what you want to watch uh, and then go to bed because you can't figure it out and didn't watch anything. Yeah. I want, and that's just the world we live in now. And like you said, I'm excited about it on one hand, cause it's like, Oh, Hey, people that may never have had the budget or a gatekeeper would have never let them in, gave them the ability to actually create something. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we discover it, but it doesn't always happen. And that's why yeah. fucking thumbnails are so fucking important. Yeah. Everything's a gif, you know, to grab your attention kind of thing. Uh, and I say gif, not gif. Uh, I know the guy that invented it says gif, uh, but that's uh, peanut butter to me. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I say gif. I'm old school. Like no one was on the internet telling me how to pronounce it back in the day. No, it, it, it's a gif. It starts with a G. I don't care if you invented yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And that's what Tumblr was there for with all the, you know, the, the five second loop porn. Yeah. Bringing it full circle. I love it. Oh yeah. Just, we're doing it. We're doing the thing. Yeah. What besides the music video, what uh, projects are you working on right now? I took a quick peek at your IMDB and I see you got some stuff that has recently come out and some stuff in, that's in the pipe. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, let's see, working backwards. I just produced a short film for Chad Michael Ward, uh, who's a stellar photographer. Um, he did some stuff for um, some magazine covers and commercials. Like he did a motionless and white music video as well. Um, and uh, yeah, his stuff is amazing. His portraitures and, and, and all of that. Um, you know, he's, he, he does a bit of horror. He does a bit of fetish does uh some kind of pinup stuff. It's all kind of got a dark Gothic uh, vibe to it. And it's really cool. Definitely check that out. Um, and then I was in a super low budget horror film uh, as a, a psych doctor. Um, that was kind of cool to be in front of the camera for once. And then um, uh, let's see, uh, there's a couple anthology films that I'm a part of. Uh, there's one called the dark, mixtape by tony newton this uk producer um and so it's kind of like a snuff film anthology which i got asked to be a part of and it's super weird because i'm not that guy <laughs> like oh, there's all these like hardcore dudes like sawing bodies and bathtubs and you know all this other stuff and like i show up with you know my super goofy one and it just sticks out like a sore thumb but i'm like yeah this is what i would want to watch um but he's super cool. Tony, uh, I was part of his documentary, Gornography, about extreme cinema, and then another one called Oh, the Horror, which is um, about like the impact of horror movies on on directors and their their form of storytelling, things like that. So, yeah, trying to stay busy. Um, those are some of the, the things that I've been up to. These aren't real snuff films, right? No, 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 no. That's uh, <laughs> That was the whole one of one of the prerequisites for the project is like no real death. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, that whole world of, of snuff horror, because it's such a specific sub sub genre of that. And, you know, I'm like, one of my favorite stories is when, uh, Charlie Sheen was so high on crack that he called the FBI on, uh, one of the Guinea pig films. Did you ever hear that story? No, I didn't hear that story. Oh, dude, it's amazing. So he's like high in Beverly Hills or wherever the fuck. And uh, they're playing, uh, oh gosh, what is it? It's, I want to say it's the second or the third of the guinea pig films, which were just like a slew of, of film shot in Japan and uh, early 90s kind of thing. And they were all uh, on video. 
Um, and the effects were amazing. Like the film that he saw um, is super realistic. Um, and it's just basically what we consider torture porn nowadays, but this was far beyond uh, and before that was ever coined. And uh, yeah, no, his drug addled mind <laughs> thought it was a real murder and called the FBI. Which is an interesting choice. I mean, I, obviously he was high, but that's an interesting choice because like you have it in your possession. That's a crime too. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if he was like <laughs> vibing on a Nick Cage and eight millimeter kind of thing or, or what, but um, yeah, th- th- there's, there's a different breed of people that kind of enjoy those films. Um, I can take them or leave them. I'm more narrative based. Um, and I'll watch them like a, Japanese extreme cinema is really cool. Like Takashi Miike, he does some amazing, amazing films. I mean, he's done a hundred plus. Um, and, you know, there's some, some other directors, you know, from, from Europe. And uh, I really dig what's coming out of other countries like Mexico um, uh, and, and Spain and things like that. So, and, and it's always easy. Horror is always the easiest genre to kind of ape on just because all you need is, really a, a girl in danger and some fake blood and you can kind of run from there. I know. And in all reality, horror is probably my least favorite genre just because in a lot of cases, the plots are weak and mm-hmm. the only reason the story works is because your protagonists are idiots in a lot of cases. True. True. I think that there's the indie scene is producing a lot of really good stuff. That's worthwhile. Um, I think you know, people are kind of hungry for that content again in terms of how uh, how things run in cycles. Like Fear Street. Fear Street was a huge boom on Netflix. And it's, you know, old school slasher films. I mean, it's you can see all the nods. There's Intruder, Friday the 13th. There's, you know, Slumber Party Massacre. It's, it's all there. Um, but at the same time, nostalgia is kind of like a snake eating its own tail. There are no original ideas anymore. I mean, Hollywood's almost completely just creatively bankrupt and unless whoever's producing it has a lot of fucking cloud it's all recycled i fucking ideas they're just like oh yeah we're gonna do something that worked already because it'll sell the business end of show business is way taken over yeah yeah and i mean people they want that nostalgia like oh hey i remember this movie from when i was a kid i'm gonna take my kid to go see it and you know, there's not much room for originality when you're banking on putting all your eggs in one basket. True. And unfortunately, because of piracy, streaming services and all that stuff, studios can't take the financial risk to do something creative anymore. They just need to be like, yep. this movie cost us $100 million. We have to recoup our costs. Yep. Yep. And what what's happened to the landscape is you know, coming up through the 90s and 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 all of that, like you had a slew of just crazy action films, the lethal weapons, the, you know, the buddy cop action and, and stuff like that. And those were all like 20, 30 million dollars. Um, and now it's just, like you said, a hundred million dollar summer tentpole films or these indie darling gems that go to Sundance and, you know, you jerk off the next time you're at a cocktail party talking about uh, that are less than a million dollars and there's no, there's no in between. So you're losing all these auteurs that could have the ability to help reshape these different genres and make a horror film that you would enjoy. But you know, there's, there's not enough water in that well to go around. Yeah. I, I will say that 
I enjoy the stuff Jordan Peele's been doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's good, but like, you know, what's another like major mainstream horror? Like, A Quiet Place was fucking hot garbage. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. It, just for me, it didn't work because they presented the protagonist as being very intelligent people, and then they proceeded to do very stupid things the whole fucking movie. And it took me right out of it. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a wild time in terms of curating your content um, because now it's just all algorithms and things like that. Like, I still miss the days of going to your mom and pop video shop and it was just box art, you know? Like, hey, there's some boobs covered in blood. Can I get this, mom? No. <laughs> Come back a little later and like the twelve dollar, the seven dollar an hour employee is just like, yeah, kid, here you go. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Well, that was always the allure of it too, because they would put all the horror towards the back where all the adult films were, and you know it was either like the, like a velvet curtain, or it would be beaded, or it'd be like those fucking saloon, saloon doors. doors. Yeah, was, yeah, like you're just waiting for like John Wayne to saddle through or something. Um, but you know, my biggest hope is is that with this digital age that we're kind of pushed into, especially with COVID and everything being on demand is I really want to see a return to NC-17 rated films. Um, you know, there's there's not much of that anymore, and I don't know why. I think it comes down to the commercial ability. You know, is it commercially viable? Like, people are like, oh, hey, it's not going to get a theatrical run at NC-17. Yeah, and yeah. Then- I mean, the reason we don't have them is, is that theaters were like, yeah, we, we're that gets poo-pooed because we can't show it. We can't do matinees. We can't, you know, the kids are the ones that go to the concession stand because they want all the candy and blah, blah, blah. Like I get it, but now we're in an age where, you know, if I want a snack while I'm watching a movie, like I just go to my fridge and I go fart in the same couch cushion. I've been doing all of quarantine. Well, I know Amazon will let, you know, independent creators upload to prime. Do you know if they have any restrictions on shit like that? Um, in terms of digital stuff, like I know YouTube will kind of come down on folks. Vimeo is a bit more lenient in terms of artistic freedom and things like that. That's where the, um, the home of the, the video versions of the show are is Vimeo because we have yeah, nudity yeah. on occasion. Yeah, I, I love Vimeo. The biggest beef I have with it is um, like their search algorithm really kind of sucks. Well, their search algorithm sucks. As a creator, you have no opportunity to be ad supported, so you have to sell your content and then you have to pay to have any real space on there to upload stuff. Yeah. They, they still, I think they're still doing that little tip jar thing, aren't they? Or I, I don't know. All minor video on demand. So you have to pay $6 a month. You can get every episode on limited streaming or 99 cents an episode for, if you want to watch the show in the video version. Nice. That was a hot plug right there. Listen up folks. Right. If you, you play want that twice, like rewind it back. It'll be, edit. it'll be in the audio versions intro. Don't worry. It's there. It's there every fucking week. And that's, I would prefer to be on YouTube because I'd get better visibility, but I have to go back through back catalog and edit out nudity and half the subject matter on this shit would probably get me demonetized anyways. Back in the day, like when I first tried to monetize on YouTube, they're just like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a shame because it's, you know, people are cracking down on basically sex workers and uh, adult content creators from making a legitimate uh, living 
based on that. And it's like, you know, there was because of quarantine, everybody flocked to like OnlyFans. You had all these, you know, housewives in Minnesota, you know, shaking their tits and, you know, getting bank. And you know what? God bless them for it. Because the one thing that came out of OnlyFans is you started to realize like as ugly or as misshapen or whatever you think, whatever body dysmorphia you have, somebody out there is willing to give you money to jerk off to you. Well, and on top of that, the other beautiful part about OnlyFans is it allows content creators, if they want to get wild with their concepts and shit like that, they don't have to just be like, I'm banging my step-sibling. Like yeah. I was talking to Olive Glass about it a couple months back where she's like going to talk about doing like full on circus scenes and shit like that for OnlyFans. Yeah, you can get wild. You can get more creative. You're not locked to, you know, what people are telling you is cool and hot and trending and hashtag whatever. You can, you know, go against the grain. And I think when people do that, that's when you get a lot more engaging content that will now spark that you know, slew of imitators and things like that, you know, like, like you just said, like everybody's banging their, their stepdad. Like, what are you doing step bro? Like, that's the the whole fucking new thing. Like, oh. it's kind of like when we were coming out of the nineties, two thousands, it was like all the hot tattooed alt girls, like, Ooh, how taboo is this? Like, Oh, you've got a neck tattoo. I can't take you home to mom, but I still shoot my seed. Woo. Yeah. Right. But, like, the flip side of that, too, is, uh, you know, OnlyFans is they're trying to, like, we're not just porn. You can watch comedy specials and, like, all that other stuff. And it's, like, really, like, yeah, I could probably watch cartoons on Cinemax, but I'm not staying up late to do that. Um, the other flip side of it, too, is, is like, uh, like Pornhub. Uh, you had mentioned that. So Pornhub's the 10th most popular website in the world. I'm surprised only 10th. Right. It's probably it's probably up there now, but a bit more. And, you know, they had definitely have their issues with, you know, like revenge porn and a lot of fucking creepers. But that kind of goes with the territory. Um, but like one of the big things that as a as a filmmaker and content creator myself is like that story of Bella Thorne releasing her film on Pornhub. And I was like, that's fucking amazing because Pornhub is this digitally ingrained distribution of like something drops and it hits millions of viewers instantly. And they've set it up now where you could subscribe to performers, give them tips, monetize it and all that other stuff. And it's like, why don't you do more of that? So you could be Netflix and not have to buy any content. So there's, there's two problems with that. One, when Visa pulled their Visa MasterCard pulled billing from them, a lot of that shit went to the wayside. A lot, yeah. a lot of the two, I, cause I tried to originally, before I went to Vimeo host the video version of the show on Pornhub and I was told it wasn't pornographic enough to monetize. Well, now you know what to do. Come on. Do I just take it off. I just got, I got to rub one out before every episode. Just be like, stick around to the, the credits of Matt jerking off in the, like, I'm just picturing that scene in, in showgirls, like when they get the bowl of ice and just, <laughs> No, I, I, I think I, that's how I'm going to get to the hub. I'm just going to like during the credits of every video episode, just me just rubbing one out over the credit scroll at yeah. the very end. Like you have to sit through two hours of podcast to just watch me sadly jerk off. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, Burt Reynolds 
uh, character in Boogie Nights, his goal was to make a movie that's so good that you sit in your own goo to see the ending of. So I, I, I still think that that's a viable thing. I mean, I don't know. know. Verhoeven did Showgirls. I mean, that was the biggest studio NC-17 film ever. And, you know, it was considered a commercial flop and they'll probably never do that again. But that is a cult classic. Cult classics don't make money, though. True. It's all about the money. I mean, hell, they had to recut Natural Born Killers down to R. Yeah. And, you know, that's fucking Oliver Stone. It's like the height of Oliver Stone. And they had to recut it down to R. Just, I don't think in the current landscape, NC-17 is ever going to be commercially viable on theatrical runs if things like Prime, because Prime is like the only real mainstream source where you could probably do NC-17, maybe. I don't know. Because YouTube's just too ad-driven and like national advertisers to be like, Oh yeah, we'll allow NC seventeen. YouTube, if they were, in my opinion, if they were fucking smart, would roll out like an adults only section, not for yeah, full on pornography. Telling me to, do you want to subscribe to Red? No, no, I fucking don't. I don't even want to sit through this five second commercial I have to watch before I get to the content I searched for. Well, I feel like YouTube Red was just a. It was good in concept, but it failed horribly. There's a reason Cobra Kai ended up on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and that's a great show too. But I, I, you know, I think, I think there is a market for more, not hardcore, but more adult themed entertainment, because right now we're kind of swimming in this sea of PG-13 nonsense, like the success of Deadpool. Deadpool is, you know, probably one of, you know, the MCU's favorite characters because he breaks the fourth wall and all the quips and all that other stuff. That's great. Don't get me wrong. But the fact is you want to see him send bullets through people's faces and they show that. Um, and the weird thing is that that's far more accept- accept- eh, acceptable than uh, a pair of nipples, you know? So that's just America, America for you. Just in America. The Europe, they're like, no, no, no. All the nudity, none of the violence. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. America, our entertainment is our last great export. Cars, no. Steel, no. Electronics, computers, no. <laughs> like, you know, that the rest of the world lives for what we do, and it's just remakes of films that we enjoy. Um, and it's gotten to the point where we don't make content for Americans anymore. We're trying to make money off of the foreign markets. Oh, yeah. Uh, hell, they're, Disney's re- been real bad about this like specifically putting actors or characters in just to pander to the chinese market mm-hmm. and i'm all for the diversity but if it was the intent just for the diversity instead of oh hey we are putting this actor in rogue one because he'll sell well in china yeah and the flip side of it is to like kind of bring it back to content creating and having the means in hand to do so is that I would love to see those stories told through the eyes of people of color from the LGBT community, from, you know, more diverse backgrounds. Like, you know, I don't need another Batman movie from some middle-aged white dude. I've seen enough of those. Like, give me, give me something different. Well, Um, we don't need another Batman movie. (laughs) Yeah. That being said, I want a $1 million Batman movie. Like, imagine that. Like now you got to focus entirely on the story. Well, I think the last great one that was, uh, did you ever see Batman dead end? 
I did not. Oh, YouTube that. It's by Sandy Clara. And it's when they announced that they were doing the Dark Knight, if I'm remembering the story correctly, is, is that he was working at Stan Winston's Creature Shop. And he was like, all right, I want to direct this movie. And he put together this short film, uh, called in every favor that he owed, spent probably more money than he should have, and released this short. And it's amazing. Uh, of course, he didn't get that that movie, but he ended up directing another feature called Hunter Prey, uh, which is really great. It Watch the trailer for that. It's basically, It looks like Star Wars meets Enemy Mine, the one with Louis Gossett Jr. and... and um, Dennis Quaid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will definitely have to check that out. <sighs> yeah. Batman Dead End. Do you remember Boner from Growing Pains? Oh, of course. Yeah. It's his last movie. Hmm. Because he, uh, I guess, if I remember that correctly, he was, he went off of his meds. He went missing from home. Uh, and then they found him, found him dead. So that's, um, he plays the Joker. So. I will definitely have to check that out. But. In all reality, I would prefer to see more independent stuff that doesn't even borrow on known properties. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally about that. I think that there's, you know, some content creators that are making really original things that, um, you know, we could kind of learn from. And it's it's even things that we're not being properly exposed to, like the superhero movies coming out of Russia. Jeez Louise. I mean, they're insane. Like, they're because you got to figure, like, all those Russian hackers, like, instead of st- stealing your email passwords, like, them learning CGI, it's blowing stuff out of the water. It's amazing. I will have to check some of that stuff out. I wasn't even aware of, like, Russian superhero films as a genre. Oh, yeah, man. It's I, I try to bounce a- around. Like, my, my taste in movies is kind of like my taste in music. Like, I'll kind of go through a cycle of things and then kind of tire myself out and then go into it something else. It's probably ADHD influence or something like that. But um, no, I'll go, I'll go through cycles. So uh, right now I'm in the world of late nineties, early two thousands, teen horror. All right. Like we're, we're right around that. If it's, if it's horror, things like that, like um, uh, I just watched one last night from, I believe it's 99 called the item. And it is one of the most bad shit fucking movies I've seen in quite a while. Um, it looks like it's shot on video. It looks like someone just smoked a bunch of meth and watched nothing but Tarantino films before they made it. Um, and did so with like $30 in their pocket. Amazing. That actually, I, I'm in for that. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. in for that. That, that yeah. sounds amazing. But, like, I, I do want more original content. Like, I want another Bruce LeBruce. I want another Greg Araki. You know what I mean? Like, Doom Generation was great. It, it, it benchmarked that nihilism that we were living in. And I think we've kind of returned to that. And the closest I've seen in terms of content to reflect that was probably Bo Burnham's Inside. And what he was able to do completely on his own is is just from a technical standpoint, regardless of the content is absolutely amazing to me. Well, and that's the thing we are, as we were talking about earlier, we are in a point where it is technologically wise easier to create than it's ever been in human history. Like you don't have to physically cut film anymore. You can really, if you are motivated, one man band, a lot of shit. Oh, absolutely. And it's at and price I mean, points. YouTube, you can YouTube anything. Yeah. You can Google anything. 
And we're at a price point where it's not going to break the bank to like create something that's watchable. Yeah. You don't have to fucking have a thirty, forty thousand dollar red package to fucking film something competent. True, true. And I mean, you know, there's probably some twelve year old in Sweden that figured out how to hack it all to <laughs> put it together for us. Like I love shit like that. Like the fact like the fact that we're podcasting via Zoom, you know, like that was a big thing, you know, over quarantine. Like I mean, I have no idea if you have pants on. You might be wearing that diaper we talked about earlier. <laughs> How do you think I'm getting on the hub later? There you go. There you go. No bathroom breaks here, folks. Nope. Nope. Just all all diaper all the time. Well, and yeah. I've talked about that plenty of times where like even if we were doing it in person, the ability to professionally record audio and not mm-hmm. be in a s- actual fucking studio with tens of thousands of dollars worth of gear and have it sound professional 15 years ago was really not realistic. Yeah. The fact that I, have I think there's a fucking board and you know, cameras and could do all this on my own is just yeah. wild. And Amazon delivery and all that other stuff. And I, I think there's a lot of things that kind of get left on the table like i would really like to see more vr filmmaking i think that that's we kind of started playing around with like first person filmmaking a little bit and you know because people love their video games and that kind of draws them into it but um yeah that's something that really hasn't been thoroughly tapped yet and um, i'm curious if that'll happen i'm sure we'll probably get holograms before that but well hey a lot of the first per- movies that did first person were just kind of bombs. Like Hardcore Henry didn't really do well. Mm-hmm. And you go back to like 1995 Strange Days had a bunch of first person scenes. And that sure. were, I love that movie. That is honestly one of my all time favorite movies, but like not a commercial success. And now you can't even yeah. fucking get it anymore. Like I'd recommend the Hotel Inferno trilogy. It's um, from uh, these dudes out of Italy and it's like old school splatterpunk. Um, so like, if you like those like mid, like late eighties, early nineties, like just shot on video kind of stuff, it's, it's them with the right gear, super bloody, total gore fest kind of thing. But it's all, it's all first person. Like the first one is about an assassin on a job in a big hotel. And then he finds out that it's, he's double crossed and it's like these demons. And then, um, the second one is he dies and goes to hell. Um, and he has to kind of fight his way out. Um, and so it's like incremented just like a video game where there's the mini boss and then the side mission. And then, you know, there's the level boss and then you move forward and it's just like, awesome. Like I can totally dig that. Um, you know, and it's, it's supposed to be, you, you can see the flip side of that. Like, uh, the guys from Coke Wolf that did, um, Bellflower, uh, they were supposed to kind of do their, uh, teenage gang side scroller film, um, if you've never seen Bellflower, I think Bellflower is 100% up your alley. I will have to check it out. I'm unfamiliar with it. I'm like, uh, It's two best friends that are super obsessed with Mad Max and preparing for the wasteland that the apocalypse will deliver. And then one kind of falls in love with the most toxic partner that you could encounter. And then, of course, it just everything hits the fan. I will definitely check it out. Where can I watch that? Uh, I think it's on Prime. You might be able to track it down. Uh, I'm sure I can track it down. You can find it on Kazaa or Dottie Bellflower, Dottie Oh, there you go. If you're wondering where this podcast went for the next month or two, it's because I downloaded a virus on Zach's recommendation. There you go. Yeah. 
killed the podcast, Zach. How does that make you feel? Oh, you, you know what? It's not even me. I'm some Russian hacker. And now, you know, I've got some spyware ransomware thing going on. He's actually all CGI. He's not even a real person. That's right. That's. <laughs> oh, but speaking of CGI, I honestly feel like more movies need to go back to practical effects, especially for horror. Oh, yeah. Like I, CGI blood is so bad. Like I even when it's good, it's bad. It works. Even yeah. There's just the unpredictability of how splatter goes when you're doing squibs and practical effects. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's there, there's a, definitely a combination that works. Like with uh, Mandalorian. I loved with Mandalorian, they had these physical costumes, they had these puppets, they had all of that. But a lot of their locales were these LED paneled walls. And, you know, they were curved and all that. And it's basically, you can run a screensaver through that and then shoot it. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, an evolution of um, that Tom Cruise movie that he did where he's in an all white. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Not, a, not minority report. No, oh, no, no. Oblivion. Um, yes. Oblivion. Yeah. And that was, they shot that with projectors, you know, they projected the, the, the image on that and had them kind of walk within that space kind of thing. So, I mean, with advancements in technology, like it's really cool to see, like just kind of going back to those old school tricks of, you know, like how the French were doing things with pinhole cameras and and things like that, like Michel Gondry and and the tricks that he would do, or um, like every fucking movie for the most part when they're in a car and like there's fucking a projector of the background uh, playing in the <laughs> some poor grip with a tree branch just going back, like running back and forth. <laughs> oh God, I love that shit. If we go back to some of that shit, like, and you have good storytelling, that shit won't take me out of it. If you look at, like, fucking classic noir, like Cagney's White Heat, there's a point where he shoots at a trunk while delivering some amazing dialogue, and there's not even blanks coming out of the gun. They're just playing a sound effect as he does this mm-hmm. with a gun at the trunk, and I'm not taken out of the movie. Yeah. Because the story... Yeah, and the act, yeah, the story and the acting is so fucking good, but you to give me fucking bad story and okay cgi and i'm just like meh yeah yeah it's so much of it it just looks like like a lock screen for your phone kind of thing and and don't get me wrong i get it i'm a comic book fan like avengers assemble all that all that fun nonsense but like the end of the day like you're just it's a cash grab you're trying to squeeze as much merchandising out of it from top to bottom and god bless you for it that's pure capitalism if you can do it but at, at what cost, you know, these films become so forgettable to a certain degree that they kind of blur together. Um, like, you know, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, what the difference between some of these story arcs are. And they're also so predictable as well. They are because right? they play the same beats because they just want you to come in and like feel good. On the other hand, it's also really impressive that like, in the first time in cinematic history, you have what almost 20 films that are all intertwined at this point and still going. Yeah. But I mean, I like the old school, like the Roger Corman, Captain America, his fantastic <laughs> four, like anybody out there, uh, Dr. Mordred, uh, London is the be, Punisher. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Dr. Mordred with Jeffrey Combs was supposed to be Dr. Strange. And you know, it's, it's when Marvel had no money and you know, 
they would just kind of make these films. And that's kind of like the death knell of, you know, those days of, of just pure trashy cinema of, of stuff that was shot in Hollywood where the mob was laundering money through these film sets and things like that. And it's like, Hey, you got to shoot this feature film in a weekend. Here's a kilo of blow go. And, you know, you just got some of the most batshit fucking movies. Like, you know, you can thank Linnea Quigley's career to a large chunk of that. <sighs> like all of them, Brink Stevens, um, uh, Tiffany Shepis, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And the, the, the last uh, bestallion of, of, of Scream Queens, that kind of thing. Say lovey. Say lovey. It's just, it's gotten too expensive. Just, I, I don't know. Maybe people are out there doing it and I'm just not exposed to it. I don't know. Put more blowback on film sets. <laughs> <laughs> more blow, more mobsters on film sets. Right? Because, I mean, dude, the, the fucking movies that they were making, like Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, uh, uh, Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowl, Ballarama, um, fucking just the most insane shit. Like, you cannot tell me that Mac and me wasn't from a drug-addled mind. It might have been a long-form McDonald's commercial, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but somebody, like, somebody was high in that pitch meeting. Well, I have a feeling the reason there's less money laundering going through films like that is because to launder the money, you would set, you know, claim physical media sales and shit like that. Yeah. Since there's no physical media to like claimed it was printed and sold. You yeah. can't really launder it as effectively. So that's probably why they're yeah. not laundering it like that anymore. True. And that's the thing is with the decline of physical media, like, I don't know about you, but it, uh, like I was a big fan of tape trading of where you would just get a blank tape from your buddy and just be like, make sure you watch this alone or that your parents don't find it kind of thing. And you just pop it in and it would just be fucking clips of like, you know, just weird, the weirdest fucking shit, just, you know, animation from the sixties to, you know, Japanese bondage to, you know, just experimental films, you know, just, insane insane stuff and i think that you know this generation has kind of lost out on that um but they shouldn't because it's all that's what vine was that's what tiktok is you know but it is with gatekeepers it is with oh you can create but there's censorship on it there's no no holds yeah. barred and though only fans is geared towards pornography it would be cool to see only fans turn into something like that where like you could do no holds barred shit on it because they allow pornography, but then again, OnlyFans is supposedly making the move towards more mainstream stuff anyways, and like potentially going to cut pornography out of it at some point anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely put a clamp on that. Like one of my favorites was always watching uh, New York public access just because you get the fucking wildest shit. And it wouldn't even matter what time of day. Like you can see boobs at like noon sometimes, <laughs> but like the more like late night stuff, like um, what the fuck was her name? Robin. Oh, SNL parried her a couple times. Hmm. Oh God. Robin, Robin quivers, something like that. Well, Robin quivers was on Stern. Stern. Yes. Um, oh God. Maybe one of your listeners will comment and just be like that dumb fucking Zach guy. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If he hadn't gotten that COVID shot, he would have known it. Killed right. His his 5G ain't working so good. <laughs> that yeah, was the no. media of public access was like, 
you would gain viewers by just it being there and fucking physically flipping through channels and being like, what the fuck? And stop. Yeah. Back to what we were saying earlier, like there's so much content out there and not a good, there's no tastemakers or just being forced to have it delivered to you. Because, I mean, I, I remember growing up, it was, you know, you had channels three, five, and eight, you know, and you had to turn turn the knob to channel four if you wanted to play your video games. Um, and then it was like, oh, here's your pay, paid channels, you know, your HBO, your Cinemax, your Showtime, things like that. And you're like, oh, wow, cool. Here's, uh, uh, you know, all these different things. And, like, I always love the acronym for HBO of, uh, hey, Beastmaster's on. Because they would just cycle through the same fucking movies all the time. Um, and then it was like that digital push of, well, now you have 600 plus channels and like everybody had a channel, golf channel, uh, HGTV, all these different things. But ultimately they, they studied it and we, we added like two to three channels to our repertoire of what we watched. And that was it. Um, you know, and it kind of, it became this gatekeeping thing that was supposed to be more inclusive, but kind of pushed a lot of people out by, by separating them even further. Yeah. It absolutely did. What we need, honestly, which I hate to say is we need more tastemakers. We need more people like a lot of what you get in music, movies, stuff like that, where people at radio stations, you know, program directors being like, I like this song or someone at the label greased me to play it. So yep. it becomes a hit. Yeah. Bring back the VJs. Um, where's Julia from, from Fuse? Remember her? Yep. I think she's still like, on oh, the world. Like, all that shit was, like, you had a lot of that. Like, MTV, like, was rad. You had videos and things like that. And late night, like, you got super weird with, like, liquid television, the Max, the head. Like, I love shit like that. Oh, and wow. now it's just, here's a 24-hour block of ridiculousness. Like, I, I can fucking YouTube that myself. Right. I, I don't need Chanel West Coast to horribly laugh at things I could be watching on my own. Oh, and speaking of the Max, it is... You can buy the whole run of it on iTunes. I have it. Oh, nice, dude. I, dude, I love Sam Keith. Uh, did you ever get a chance to read his run of Zero Girl? I did not. It's so good. It's um, this kind of loner girl in high school that discovers that she has these kind of somewhat superpowers based on circles. Her best friend is a potato bug that she believes is the reincarnated spirit of Carl Jung. Uh, and she starts to kind of have a, a standoffish, romantic, entangled relationship with, I think it's her English teacher. Um, and then the high school bully uh, kind of becomes possessed and wants to kill her as well. So it's, there's two trades. Um, definitely worth tracking that. I if, will, you're, if you're a Max fan, Sam oh, Keith. Love I it. will definitely check that out. I, the, I mean, I enjoyed the print version of the Max, but like the cartoon... I love so much because of the varying animation styles of it. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. And with that jazz score mm -hmm. it, to this day, uh, any ladies who date me beware. I, I mean, that's a lot of things. What I do when I bring someone over for the first time, I'm like, Hey, let's watch the max. Cause I, I'm going to gauge, oh, absolutely, yeah. gauge how they respond to like that animation. Cause if there's like, this isn't for me, I'm like, you're probably not for me. Yeah. I know there was like, talks and rumors for the longest time about doing a live action Fuck that. Uh, version of the max. Fuck like, that. I just feel like that would kind of be like, you know, that first live action spawn movie, which had its fun moments, but honestly, um, I think it would go about as well as the live action. Aeon flux did. 
True. And I did love me some Aeon Flux. Like, oh, me that too. animation style was kind of what made it. And it was just like, you could never explain an episode. Like, a, a, a bunch of people died and she stuck her tongue in some dude's mouth and then he exploded. And, um, well, especially like the old, speeding away on a train. The old, <laughs> like, the old, uh, liquid television one's like, well, and Aeon died in every episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then cut to like, fucking dog boy or <laughs> stick stick figure masterpiece theater you know like yeah that was oh, inside God. someone's belly button yeah Bambara yeah, yeah. cut off his arm show. and gave it to a child and that like there were drugs involved with making that lots and lots mm-hmm. of drugs that were involved in making that and like why is shit like that not on television anymore yeah, people want tastemakers, you know, like I, I, Elvira, loved her, uh, Rhonda Shear and Gilbert Godfrey on USA Up All Night, love them, um, Commander USA, when USA Network was first jumping up, um, I'm, I'm from Lorraine, from, from Cleveland, Goulardi was a big, big thing, um, we you had, know, uh, Sven Gulli in, in Chicago, I thought he died, yeah, uh, all that's so weird, because they pass it back and forth, like I know there's the son of the ghoul, which is Goulardi's kind of thing, um, but you know, there's still a market for it. Like Joe Bob Briggs, like he was only supposed to do one season on shutter and now he just got renewed for, I think it's his fourth. Um, so, and, and he's just showing movies that you've seen a hundred million times before and then throwing in some new stuff, uh, here and there, but you know, people want to talk about it. They want to sit down and they don't want to hit the bars all the time. They don't want to you know, you get older, you don't want those hangovers. You'll stay up late and you're just like, man, I really kicked ass. We went to bed at midnight, you know? Speak for yourself, sir. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, that's because you got the diaper on and you can just go right in the bed and not have to worry. It's true. It's it's very true. I mean, I just go right in the bar on the bar stool. <laughs> no one knows. It's great. It, it does make bathroom sex in the bars a little awkward sometimes, though. Crinkle, crinkle, like pulling it down and oh i thought they would be like you know let's see that uh dunk and then you pull it down and oh oh false advertising that's happened before too and then it's also happened where they were like oh yeah okay then you found a winner only if they watch the max with you well that that's an actual date i'm not bathroom sex isn't a date <laughs> like that, that's just something that happens fair enough fair enough on a serious note, like there needs to be more adult animation. I mean, Rick and Morty has even shown that like animation more geared towards adults works. Yeah. Like Ralph Boschke, where the fuck are like the last big film I, I think I remember from him was Cool World, um, which was like Brad Pitt when he was first getting started. Like yep. uh, I think at that point he had done Thelma and Louise and Johnny Swade, which nobody saw fucking Johnny Swade. I own it on VHS and I, I think I'm probably one of the only people I know. Yeah, it is a um, bit part in True Romance. Yep. Yeah, yeah, smoking the the Honey Bear Bong. Yep. Um, but like Cool World was amazing, and like Bashki's other films were so far ahead of their time in terms of dealing with social norms and things like that. Like I dare people to check out Hey Good Looking, Coonskin, Heavy Traffic. I mean, everybody kind of knows Fritz the Cat because they're just like, oh, it's Fritz the Cat. Fucking. Yeah. yeah. But like his other stuff, man, it's 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 super fun. Um, and it hits on, you know, race relations like spot on, like light years ahead of its time. Um, 
you know, some of it would probably be considered problematic, but those are tough conversations to have. You know, there's no right way to go about that, especially cinematically. It's true. And especially when you have to draw it. (laughs) Well, and also their products of their times. Like you can't go back and look at something from 40, 50 years ago from the same light that you would today. Like hell, uh, the French connection is an Oscar winning film. And Gene Hackman's character specifically says as a New York cop, never trust an N word with a knife. It's like a line of dialogue in that movie. That would never fly today. Even if it was appropriate to the period, you just couldn't do it. And that's, but I, but I think that's part of the, the world that we're living in is, you know, people are very fearful of cancel culture and, you know, rightfully so, you know, we've, we've suppressed a lot of voices for a long time and now they're getting the technology and the means to have those voices heard. And as they should I actively encourage that to happen. Um, but I'm also a fan of exploitation cinema and and things like that. And, you know, the worst thing that entertainment can be is boring. Love it or hate it. I want you to feel something. But, you know, if it's just this kind of meh, you know, that's that's the worst. And, you know, there's some uh, really cool films, you know. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the native film on Shudder about... Uh, the zombies that they just did. Oh, it's by the same people that did Rhymes for Young Ghouls, which is about a girl trying to, she's dealing drugs and trying to get off of the reservation kind of deal. Um, you know, and there, there's other there's other great filmmakers. Like, I, I, I was in New York when they premiered uh, Ticked Off Trainees with Knives, and people were, like, protesting all of that because of the title and things like that. And that's well, just pure exploitation cinema. It's It's a revenge film that We've seen a billion times before, except that, you know, the stars were, were, you know, drag queens and, 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 and performers of that nature. And, you know, people wanted to shut it down before even giving it a chance. Um, well, and that's the, that's the big problem. We've lost the nuance. Like I'm not a fan of hate speech, but I don't believe you can't just say a word intense, important. Absolutely. Like, and I think that we're smart enough to kind of read the room. And I mean, there's definitely people that don't, you know, like well, the guy I, that did. I, I, uh, I disagree with you. Us as a society being smart enough to read the room. Like, true, true, to a degree. I mean, we like to think that they are. We like to hope that they are, but. No, we're, people hear, you know, just with your example, you know, trains with knives. They just hear that, like, they didn't look at the art and go, okay, is this, you know, hateful towards that community? Or did they just. Mm-hmm use the word like words have meaning because of the intent behind them, not just because of the word. Yeah. I think we've completely lost really any kind of semblance of satire to be able to enjoy that anymore. Um, Like I I was really surprised that Jojo rabbit hit as hard as it did. Jojo rabbit Um, was amazing. Oh, absolutely. And rightfully so. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was far smarter than, than what it, uh, I, I think a lot of people kind of took away from it. It was just like, oh, it's a, it's a comedy kind of thing. But, you know, we've lost like that super subgenre of Nazi exploitation films like Ilsa, She Wolf of the <laughs> SS. Like, uh, you know, like those films fantastically made. Like, technically, they're fantastically made. Like, Ilsa, She Wolf of the SS was shot on a weekend on the set of Hogan's Heroes. I did not like, know that. That's why. 
that's why it looks so sharp. Like the set design looks amazing because it was shot on the weekend in between filming. Um, and like the closest we've even ever gotten to that was the fake trailer in Grindhouse from Rob Zombie of uh, Werewolf Woman of the SS. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not saying that we need to kind of revisit that, but like to, it, it's something that just kind of gets forgotten about and not talked about. And I feel like that kind of falls into that same waste bin as like adult animation. And American might not be doing it, but other countries are. Like one of my recent favorite um, adult animations was, uh, I believe it's Thai, uh, Achi and Shipak. Mm. Um, it's uh, set in the future where um, the government needs your poop and they give you these popsicles when you poop. Uh, and there's chemicals in the popsicle that you get addicted to it. So you constantly want to poop. Um, and, but if you do too many popsicles, uh, you turn in these little blue gremlins. Um, I don't know. I can't even explain it, but Achi and CPOC, it's A-A-C-H-I and then CPOC is S-S-I-P-A-K. I'm probably mispronouncing it entirely, but yeah, check that out. I will, I will definitely check that out. But that's once again, where it comes back to like the lack of tapes makers. If you hadn't told me about that, I would have never heard about it. Mm -hmm. And Unfortunately, with most American audiences, a lot of American audiences don't want to read subtitles, which is a goddamn shame. I read subtitles when I'm watching something in English. I'm one of those people. You know, it's like when people talk about anime, like, oh, I only watch dub. Oh, I only watch the subtitles. Like, I watch dub with the subtitles. <laughs> like, come on. Anyone who's like, I only watch dub, I'm like, I'm just going to leave now. Like, the dub never gets the emotions right. No, no, no. And a lot of them, like, um, the story is far different. Like, uh, oh, God, what's the name of the the Netflix one where it's the uh, fox that works in an office building? Um, and she's karaoke's heavy metal. Oh, God, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I don't know. Whatever listener, you can just blame that on me, too. Um, but if you watch that with the subtitles on, like, the story starts to differ between the dub as well it's and i mean you know kind of bringing it back to porn like the way i discovered a lot of anime and kung fu films was when you would go to porn shops and they would have that kind of along the back wall because they would have to order a gross to fill a palette and they'd be like well we only need so much you know titles of anal fisting 17 kind of thing and so they would just get whatever was cheap they would get a lot of like the wu-tang collection like wu-tang collections came from porn stars or porn stores rather and like you know uh neon uh evangelion like all that stuff like that's how i found it, it just like fucking ninja scroll this? yeah like oh. dude ninja scroll ninja scroll was great uh the sequel eh. <sighs> uh akira was was fantastic bio hunter um, Go for shell, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm a big uh, proponent for part two. I liked how they mixed the animation style with CGI in that. I never saw it. Um, yeah, part part two is fun. Give it a go. Um, I'm an apologist for that, but I'm also an apologist for uh, Battle Royale part two. <laughs> All right. So, come on, they did the kids declare war on the adults. Come on, we all want to do that. I mean, it's the plot of the Hunger Games, too, isn't it? So, True, true. And then, but the, yeah, then that's, there's, there's some fun stuff that, you know, was discovered from those kind of days that I think has shaped my taste now. Like, um, 
like I've been really digging on the films from Indonesia, um, like Japan, of course. Um, Netflix, uh, they've been picking up a lot of uh, TV shows. Like I've been digging the ones from like Korea. They're amazing. There's one, um, Rugal, R-U-G-A-L. And it's basically like uh, super cops fighting uh, gangsters. And it's, it's amazing. It's like 27 episodes (laughs) and an hour long, but uh, sticking for the long haul. That's another recommendation. I, I will definitely check that out. Like, cause Korea makes some awesome shit. Um, years and years ago, I saw a Korean gangster flick called a uh, dirty carnival. That was a lot of fun. Ooh, the, I'll check that out. All right. Dirty carnival. That's going on my list. Yeah. I, saw it. I feel like we're giving each other homework. I, I know like just a little bit. We'll have to like do a follow up in a year and be like, so what'd you, how, how much of your homework did you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a fun one. It's a Korean gangster flick. And like, it's, Definitely odd because like the characters do karaoke about the plot points at points. Oh, okay, I'm into that. <laughs> it's like, are, is it truly a fourth wall break when they're singing about the plot of the movie? I don't know. I, but it was just yeah. also like I saw this in the mid 2000s, and it was really interesting to see the difference between like an American gangster flick versus a Korean gangster flick because there's there are no guns in it, none. And it's a major deal to the characters when knives come out into like these triad mm-hmm. fights in American gangster flicks in the nineties and two thousand at that point, like it was drive by shootings. Like you almost saw, never saw a knife fight com- committed to film. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like we were missing out on a lot of that. Like where's all the fucking ninja movies at, you know what I mean? Like, like cool. Like here's a historical period piece, you know, like, <sighs> Like 47 Ronin? Am I supposed to get wet for that? That's like a comic book adaptation. I feel like actual ninja movies, people are afraid that someone will scream cultural appropriation on that shit these days. Speaking of ninjas, I just rewatched very recently The Hunted with Christopher Lambert. Oh, dude, that movie. (laughs) It's not bad. It is not a bad movie. Yeah, that's a good double feature with uh, uh, The Corruptor. The one with Chow Yun Fat and um, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Isn't um the female lead in that fucking why am I spacing on who the female lead is? Because it's that nineties, two thousand era of, of film. It's kind of like you sit down and name all the cast of deep cover. You know, it's like probably one of Jeff Goldblum's most underrated films, but uh, you know. And I say it's a Christmas film because of the uh, liquor store robbery in the beginning. <laughs> I, I see that. I, I No, I agree. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. It's amazing what all becomes a Christmas film when you look at it. Just right. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That happened to Christmas, too. Yeah. But now let me ask you this. Um, Christmas porn always weirds me out. I don't know what it is, but like Elf's banging. Or, you know, out come the candy canes. It's just like the one subgenre of pornography in adult cinema that I can't get into. Is that because of your childhood or just? No, it's it's not like the sanctity of the holiday or anything. Like, it's not like, you know, I'd be one of those people out protesting Silent Night, Deadly Night when it first came out. I just think that there's just a level of ridiculousness to it that isn't self-aware, like, say, a parody. Um Cause like uh, 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 the Grinch that uh, what is it the Grinch that gaped Christmas? Yeah, I believe so. Yes, that one. That 
<laughs> it's hysterical. And I love me a porn parody, especially uh, the horror ones like Evil Head, uh, uh, Triple Exorcist, uh, uh, Repenetrator, things like that. All Burning um, Angel products. Yes, yes, absolutely. Love, love Joanna and, and, and Small Hands too. I, I was able to do a, a short with them uh, probably four or five years yeah, back. Yeah, I remember you sending it to me. Dude, they are some of the coolest fucking people on the planet. Like, it's not fair. Like, it's not fair for them to be like that hot and that cool. Like, <laughs> it's. It, I would love. I would love to work with them again. I'd love to shoot a music video for uh, for Aaron. So, well, I'll um, at him, but he's he's a one man shop. He's like, like the fact that he is doing music videos, the music, the editing. Like, he is. Like, that's not fair, man. Like. The, you're doing all right? you can do yeah. all this fuck yeah and i mean there's there's people like doing far more like um one performer i've always wanted to work with was uh marilyn mesa she was in that um remake of evil night which was a super shitty shot on video film that was remade by chris siever and the remake is just full of you know cheeseball jokes and you definitely have to have a six-pack in you before you even hit play um but she's great she's probably the best part of that whole movie um and then I just helped on a film called Thrust, um, which is like about uh, punk girl gangs in the future. All the men are in, uh, are either dead or enslaved kind of deal. And I got to work uh, with and meet Felicia Fisher, who I didn't know at the time is like this hardcore uh, uh, porn actress in the sense of um, uh, like she does... Uh, like vomit porn and things like that. And um, uh, also does like uh, more horror themed stuff. Like there's um, Baroque house, I think out in LA, those guys, they make weird horror porn, which is um, done by Sam hell. So it's like this weird world of crossover. And like, I only found that up. by kind of Googling her and up pops the only fans and up pops this other site of, horror and porn that kind of thing well and horror porn is like a weird situation because like a lot of the more mainstream companies because of billing issues you can't have blood involved you can't have like Mm -hmm. blood involved with the sex like you could have a murder but you can't have like sex happening in the exact same scene true yeah um but I, i but i i do love the ridiculousness of other stuff like the stuff from like leroy myers like dickachu and and strokemon and like um uh, and all that other stuff it, it, it's so ridiculous that like dude check this out and you you text your friend a link at work and they click on it when they're in a meeting you're like yeah you know that whole fucking thing i mean I, that's like, this- like wood rocket's whole bag is like oh we're pretty much making porn that's clickbait yeah <laughs> but there's there's so much crap in it too because i remember when they did the ninja turtle one um, and the Ninja Turtles, like that full body suit, but then they had like 10 inch cocks. Uh, those were done by Tom Devlin, who uh, was on season one of Sci-Fi Channel's Face Off, that special effects makeup competition show, which uh, if anybody's out there that has any kind of pull, fucking bring that back. Because um, all we got was Sexy Beasts, that new Netflix show, which the makeup's cool, show fucking sucks. But back to my tangent. Um <laughs> there you know there's so much skill in that like uh when they did the spongebob uh parody spongebob square nuts oh my god like that is it reminded me of like old school rinse dream um who did uh dr caligari um he did cafe flesh 
Um, he did She Girls a Go Go, and like he made he made this super wacky fucking adult cinema so that he would get make enough money to make the stuff that he wanted. And if you anybody listening that's never saw those films, track them down. They're fucking amazing. Like Dr. Caligari is is one of my favorite films of all time the trailer is spectacular like it starts off with kurt loader talking <laughs> about it um it's supposedly getting a blu-ray release i think that was kind of the rumors on social media and things like that but rinse dream um wikipedia google that guy um it's it's definitely like that mid 90s like uh you know the the high-waisted thongs you know that whole thing Oh, I love that. That fucking fuck Victoria's Secret. Give me that Fredericks of Hollywood, you know, bargain bin <laughs> sale stuff. That's what I'm looking for. With the bad tan lines and all. Oh, absolutely. How am I supposed to know you spent the weekend in, in whatever beach that your boyfriend took you to that you couldn't afford otherwise? <gasps> it's true. It's, it's so true. But on the Wood Rocket front, those guys, like, I love those guys. Those are friends of mine. They're, they are creative maniacs. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, I, I tweeted at, at Leroy. I was like, dude, if I can ever help, like, legitimately, like, I want to come and help. Because I think he was one of the first people that I, I, I ever reached out to on, on Twitter and was like, hey, yo, what kind of camera do you shoot on? Like, what do you like with? And things like that. Because I think, like, with so many different companies as they popped up, you can, they've developed a very signature look. Uh, Burning Angel is one. Uh, Wood Rocket is one. Uh, old school, like Evil Angel, like all that. Um, like I was just having a conversation, like the stuff from, I think it's taboo.com. Like there's stuff like, suck out all the porn. Like it looks like fucking Christopher Nolan film. Like well, it's all dark and gritty. And You look at the shit from um, Lansky, like the budget, the budget that like goes into that cinematography, like what the fuck? Yeah. Like, and I, and Bringing it back to like comic books, like uh, Axel Braun, his parodies of like the Dark Knight and Superman and things like that. His costumes are better than Hollywood. His version of Quicksilver, Google that and put it next to the one that Marvel actually put out. And and you'll see the difference of who actually read the comic book. And, uh, you know, his his uh, his take on Batman was probably the closest to the killing joke that I've ever seen. You know, with um, uh, Penny Pax um, as as Batgirl when she's in the uh, she goes to rescue her dad. <laughs> fucking, I'm, I'm 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 sure you've seen it. Probably. I actually haven't. Oh, dude, it's so good. Well, so I, like, I I make it a point to not really watch stuff that my friends are in, and like, well, that's the thing about his films is there's the X-rated cut, and then there's the one where it's it's just the film stuff. I've never and seen it either. <laughs> Oh, so I, I fucking those costumes are amazing. Well, like, I've seen I've definitely seen I've definitely seen the costumes on Twitter and like on Instagram. I know um Cleo Valentine is like Harley Quinn, her costume was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like so I and I love when those worlds come together. And I think that there's plenty of room to do so because I think that this stuff is you know, it's being lampooned, it's being parodied, but you can't have something be successful like that without actually putting the love that you have for it into it. Well, and the thing about it is those are parodies in the loosest sense of the word. Like, <laughs> you said loose. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, the, those buttholes are tight. They're, they're tight, tight, tight. But 
they're like what Wood Rocket does are true parodies. What mm-hmm. Axel Braun does are really pornographic love letters. And for whatever reason, Warner Brothers doesn't want to spend the time to like actually go after them because they're calling them parodies. But they're not parodies. They are pornographic love letters. Yeah. I mean, I, I would put them on par as some of the best fan films out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's it's crazy. They're like, oh, yeah, this is a parody. And they're like, mm. by the definition of parody under fair use, they really, I don't think, cut the mustard. Yeah. But I, I think that they're part of the same spectrum of, like, say, Axel Braun to Wood Rocket of, like, you have this kind of fan film seriousness to kind of this, hey, we're kind of goofing around kind of thing. And it reminds me of, like, the old school days of, like, AdamsFilms.com, like, where that's where you went to watch short films. That's, like, that's where I first found out about, like, Happy Tree Friends, like the little fucking animated queer yeah, squirrels friends. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, before they get hit with chainsaws and booby traps and what have you. Um, was old Greg more adult did, animation? Did I old love Greg circle and drain? Oh, uh, was it um the fucking unicorns? Did that start there? Uh, there's some, like the, uh, the Charlie the unicorn. Yeah, like Charlie the unicorn shit. That see, that was like the early the early days of internet memes. Like there was that honey badger. Um, Oh God. And then we started getting like Homestar Runner oh, yeah. and all of that. Um yeah. yeah, yeah. Newgrounds.com, man. Oh fucking Newgrounds. Fuck yeah, dude. That was the shit. Fucking you go on there and you can play some whack ass flash game. Like it's a stick figure fighting a room full of kung fu dudes. Like oh. I'll never get those hours of my life back. I don't want them back. I've spent no, 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 no. I've spent things in my adult life on much worse things than, than I did at Newgrounds. Yeah, and you know it allowed Tom Phelps to like make some halfway decent games that ended up on you know Xbox Arcade and shit like that. So kudos mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, and I mean I think that's another thing too is like you know we're talking about adult animation like we have rated films we have rated video games like I don't know why there's not an NC 17 adult game that isn't just specifically geared towards violence. Um, well, cause like there night, was, there was night trap back in the day and like there was, dude, you can watch the night trap, just the movie on YouTube. Like someone edited it all together. And it's fucking awesome. Um, but that shit caused so much controversy. Oh yeah. And back in the day, like, you know, there definitely were like PC games that were more, geared towards oh yeah there was like leisure suit larry oh leisure suit larry was amazing um, leisure suit larry was made by fucking sierra that was the same people that made king's quest leisure suit larry was yeah. amazing but yeah like uh you know are, those games like i, I think they kind of hit the the pinnacle at like sega cd <laughs> like you know like sewer shark and lethal enforcers um uh, uh eternal champions which i would love to see a movie of eternal champions um, more there's so some, than another Mortal Kombat. There's actually um, some real interesting uh, YouTube uh, by like Matt McMuscles on like what happened to Eternal Champions. Basically, Sega shot themselves in the foot, fucked over Eternal Champions to promote their another project. It's like what the fuck? Eternal Champions was a good fighting game. Oh, absolutely! All those characters had amazing backstories, and then like getting to the end to see them teleported back to time to, you know. Uh, get their lives back before they were wrongfully killed kind of deal. 
Like there's so many options. Like that could have been like clue, but like with tournament fighting. But, someone at Second yeah. America fucked it all up. True, true. But I, I, I think we're at a time like where you could kind of do things like that. Like, you know, every actor nowadays wants to do voiceover work in a video game because that's where all the money is. You know, you might get a radio spot, but it's not like how it used to be. True, true. But the video games is unfortunately the one form of entertainment where you to make something like you could make a film that may may not be triple a box office quality, but like you can make a decent independent that like is certainly a viewable and up to commercial standard product relatively cheap. You can't do that with video games. It there's that's te- like the technology is just so crazy at this point. Like there's a reason like fucking cyberpunk 2077 is like cost more than most major motion pictures to fucking create. True. True. And unfortunately like, video games as a medium is still in a weird place where like there's so much you can do with it, but it's like these sweeping fucking amazing stories could happen, but they don't in a lot of cases. They just don't. Everybody wants that open world concept and it's, I get it. Like, I I think that, you know, if we tied it back into like that VR filmmaking, um, which I would love Joanna Angel to do a masterclass on that because she's, as far as I've Googled and researched, she's one of the the few people in the world that has consistently tried to make those films and make them work. Um, and how challenging that is because um, as, you know, editing and things like that, like you can't cut yeah. in when you're making things like that. Oh, um, male talent absolutely hates doing VR scenes because they have to just yeah. lie there with like the rig on as the female talent does all the fucking work. But I, I gave it some thought during the course of this conversation. I think the other reason that VR doesn't work as well as a film genre is it's not something you can experience together easily. That's fair. I can see that. You can't tie in like Lawnmower Man. No. And <laughs> the problem the problem is like most people don't want to experience films alone. Like, they don't want to go to the theater alone. I go to the theater by myself because at the end of the day, like, if you and I see the new Spider-Man at different times, we saw the same thing. It's not like going to a concert where you have to go together to have the same experience. Mm. But VR headsets, especially in a post-COVID world, like, if you had a theater with all VR headsets, now you're sharing VR headsets with other humans? Gross. Gross. And if you're at home, like, you're going to have a bunch of VR headsets on the couch? Like, that... That doesn't seem particularly social. Hey, anything that can keep me at home more, I'm all about. <laughs> have you been outside? There's people there. There are. But some of those people have genitals I want to stimulate. So, Fair enough. Fair enough. Diaper up. Power on. Yep. <laughs> that may be some new merch that's happening. Diaper up. <laughs> power on. Oh. There you go. Like, what the fuck kind of, what kind of merch are you selling here? Like, don't worry about it. Listen to the yeah. show. You'll know. Leroy Myers t- ties in just be like, I thought I was weird. What's going on, Matt? Oh, Leroy is not weird. He just is a very creative genius. He's, he's not a weird yeah, dude. I, I dig it. I dig it. VR as a technology is awesome. It's, I just don't see it. I feel like it'll end up kind of being like a fad like 3D was for a while there. Yeah, yeah, I, 
I, I think 3D will always be a fad. Um, you know, it, it's something fun and different. It's kind of like, you know, you, you feel like you're in the moment in a weird little way. It's kind of like when you're at a Mexican restaurant and you see the Karen at the table over that says gracias, you know, for when they serve her nachos kind of thing. Like she's in the moment, she's enjoying herself. Like that's probably going to be the, you know, she's not going to eat Mexican again for another six months, maybe if that, <gasps> but it, it, it's kind of equivocal. It is. It is on, on 3d filmmaking. Like when it was, when the first became started to get big again, like 10 years ago, I was not a fan of it when it was like, oh, we're using the 3D for cheap camera tricks, like the first Captain America where like, you have the shield throw at the camera, blah, blah, blah. But when they started doing 3D for depth of feel of the shot, that I enjoyed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Friday, Friday the 13th part three is my favorite. Um, it's my favorite because it's, you know, Jason finally gets the hockey mask. Um, he's fresh and clean. Like that's, you know, everything after that, he just gets dirtier and dirtier, but there's some great gags. And then, you, you know, the yo-yo, um, my, my, my favorite is the arrow flying a camera. Um, so, I mean, there are some 3d films like silent madness is a great 3d film that was released by vinegar syndrome. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hit or miss. It's definitely far more miss than hit. It is. It is one. I, one of our, well, I guess it's a little more recent that I enjoyed in 3D was uh, John Carpenter. Not John Carpenter. Uh, fucking John Mars fucking liquor brain. Um, not John Carpenter. Fuck. Like, Wait, John Mars, the sci-fi movie? Yeah, yeah the Disney sci-fi movie. Uh, fucking why? Yeah, yeah, John. Yeah. Why am I spacing on that fucking movie's name? It's definitely not John Carpenter. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, that was considered a flop. That was like... Uh, Percy Jackson or um oh god what was the other one the the one with Han Solo John, Harrison Ford. John Carter of Mars Jesus Christ John Carter of Mars yes yeah. um Ender's Game have you seen Ender's Game I have I have <laughs> dude that movie has no business being as fun as it is it's <laughs> absolutely absurd but like the thing I love the most about Ender's Game is the audience for it. Like when's the last time you saw a movie led by preteens, you know, like they're right on that 12, 13, 14 year old cusp. And like, I can't think of another movie outside of maybe holes. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-tween- I'm talking about the Shia LaBeouf one yeah. Slayer, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> preteens committing full on genocide with Harrison Ford just hanging out. Yep. Pretty much. And, uh, Sir Ben Kingsley. Yeah. He has a bunch of face tattoos in that one, right? Yeah, he's uh, is he Maori? Is he or I'm mispronouncing that? Um, yeah, I think that you know, like the some kind of tribal tattoos. Yeah, he's a big kings get some weird roles, like yeah, he's just I, like a dude. We're like, oh well, yeah, we'll throw Ben Kingsley in here, just covered in facial tribal tattoos. Why not? Why not? Yeah. He well, played I love Gandhi. When he popped up in the Sopranos as literally himself. Or the, the Mandarin fake in fucking Iron Man 3. Oh, God. I think probably one of my favorite Ben Kingsley movies would probably have to be Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast is good. Because he's so just vicious in that and just ruthless. Um, 
I would probably pair that movie with as a double feature with Chopper. Never seen Chopper. Oh, it's like one of the first Eric Bana films. It's about um, it's the life story of uh, the Australian convict uh, Chopper Reed. Okay, that that is a hundred percent up your alley. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, all more homework. <laughs> Just walking away from the podcast, like, well, I guess I have hours of cinema to watch. There you go. So, in the next date, you have like, listen, we can watch the Max or. <laughs> Hey, the max is only 13 minute episodes. We can get power through a couple episodes in the max and then True. You've got to gotta, you know, play to the strengths and understand. Like Absolutely. I I miss the days of those formats. Like I miss 90 minute movies. That was a VHS tape. You know, 90 minutes. Like, okay, cool. You wake up early, watch something before your parents woke woke up and you had to go to school kind of deal, you know? Those weird tape trading things you did with your friends. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the movie. There's definitely some movies where it's like, okay, 90-minute runtime, that's awesome. There's also some movies where it's like, I didn't get enough in 90 minutes. True, true. But then again, you also end up, on the other hand, it's like, okay, can Gangs in New York end yet? Please, please, Gangs in New York, please end. (laughs) Uh, Gangs in New York is a black comedy. If you go back and watch it and allow yourself to laugh, uh, it is hysterical. Daniel Day-Lewis's performance alone is just wild. Mm-hmm. Bill Butcher is just a wild character. Like, yeah, it's um that movie I would put on par with like uh, Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula of like if you sucked out the romantic story of DiCaprio and Keanu and just like presented the villain in their element and their conquest like. You know, it would have elevated it far much more. I enjoy both films. Don't get me wrong. But I think that, you know, I I, I, I don't need more parsley with my meatballs and spaghetti. I, I want the noodles and the meat. Come on. Right. You can just push that other shit off to the side. Right. Yeah. 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 And well, it's, it's kind of like the same way with like villains in cinema nowadays. Like they want to split it all up and. Like Marvel movies, like we're, you know, we're talking about that. Like, I don't care that they're battling hordes of faceless robots and things like that. I have no emotional investment in who wins or loses at that point. And what ends up happening is is you get this whole school of piranhas or a couple barracudas. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I want a great white shark. Give me that. Well, it's it's kind of like when I. I buy my ticket for an incredible Hulk. I want to see Hulk smash. I don't want to see Bruce Banner try to figure out how to pay his mortgage. You know? Well, and those nameless teachers, they've been doing that shit. Like that's the same sort of shit that would, they would do in GI Joe and fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoons like, Oh, they're robots. So we can just destroy them and mm-hmm. like give the, you know, give the protagonist a cheap win. Yeah. That, that's Did all you it watch is. GI Joe resolute. I have not. Uh, it was like a, a series run, but um, it opens with uh, Major Blood uh, murdered on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Okay. That sounds so like kind fun. of like that R, R, it skirts that R rated um, line there for a little bit. So. See, even G.I. Joe the movie, like back in the 80s, that, that was handled better. I mean, they fucking, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't go through the, didn't fully pull the trigger and kill Duke, but the fact that they like stabbed Duke in the heart in like the opening sequence. Yeah. 
It's like, and that like that whole like other the the Sepentor, like that whole world that they introduced. Cobra like, La. That was yeah, dude, that was a lot of cocaine. There's <laughs> <laughs> like Cobra Commander's a snake dude under there. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking roadblock, like, oh god. But he's, with, he's blind. <laughs> the, the world's worst piggyback ride. Like, oh, they're just totally aping Luke and Yoda. You know? Right. And, but that movie was still more geared towards adults than it was children. Hmm? I remember seeing that as a kid and freaking out when they like they you know, Sepentor just speared Duke. Like that they got you right in the feels as a kid on that shit. Hell, Transformers the movie, you know, killing Optimus Prime in the beginning too. Oh yeah. They killed a lot of people in fucking Transformers, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I've always heard is, um, you've heard of the Dark Side of Oz, where you line up Pink Floyd and the Wizard of Oz. Uh, I haven't done this, but apparently, if you line up Daft Punk's first album with Transformers, it's supposed to sync up. (laughs) I don't know, but if anybody's tried that, let me know. I'll give it a go, too. I'm not. I'm not missing out on You Got the Touch. Dude, when that popped up in Boogie Nights, I, you you don't know the soul that's on those tapes. Fucking <laughs> Boogie Nights. That's another movie I have not watched in so long. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it is. And I, lo- I love all the people that pop up. Like Nina Hartley, that's probably one of my favorite cameos. Um, and like, I wish I wish that happened more. I wish there was more adult stars in, in commercial films. Like, um, was it, was uh, Gia, God, what's her name? Red, she was like a redhead. She was in, I believe, in uh, the Piranha remake. Oh, uh, no, no. Um, Riley Steele was in Piranha 3D. 3D, triple yes. D. Riley Steele was because she won crossover the star of the year for that shit. Yes, yes. And like, I wish there was more of that. Like, um, like Tommy Pistol. I love the work of Tommy Pistol. Like his film, uh, Frankie and Blunderland. Like, you can watch that on Troma streaming now. Um, that is such a fucking head trip of a flick. And then um, the gruesome death of, of Tommy, Tommy Pistol. Pistol. Yeah. yeah. And I know he's been playing footsie with uh, the Saska sisters for a while about doing something with them. I just, I just hope they pull the trigger. So I do too. Cause Tommy's a fucking huge talent. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll rally Tommy's wasted on porn. I'll yeah. say, I'll go on yeah. record and say it. Yeah. Tommy's wasted on porn. Yeah. I think he's super talented. Like his, when he pops up in a parody, it's fucking gold. Like him as Steven Seagal, come on. Dude, he, him as Ash Williams completely carries uh, Evil oh, Head. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, and uh, like it, it helps that, you know, the effects are done by Doug Sackman um, and all of that. But like that movie hits, you know. 100% does. And Tom, Tommy's too good for this shit. I mean, don't at me, but Tommy's too good for it. I mean, there's a reason he like wins Best Actor almost every fucking year. Yeah, I would love to see uh, him and Small Hands uh, like play like brothers, something like that. Like to a stepbrothers that's parody. My idea. I, I, that's my idea. Nobody steal my idea. Yeah, Tommy, we're not. Call me. We're not. Aaron, call me. We're not broadcasting it out to the internet or anything. No, not <laughs> at all. There'll be a long list of things that happen on this show that just get broadcast out, and then like someone else gets to capitalize on. It's, it's kind of a tradition around here. But I, I do feel that there are a lot of really talented actors and actresses within the the porn industry that I people still have a weird stigma about that nowadays. And it's just like, 
who doesn't watch porn? I'm more creeped out by the people that say they don't. I agree. I agree. It, they're they're the equivalent of uh, guys that pull their pants down to their ankles at urinals. Don't judge me, man. <laughs> That's why you started wearing the diaper. It is. It is. <laughs> it. You got me all figured out. You got me all figured out on this one. I'm I'm cheaper than therapy, Matt. It's cool. Oh yeah, this isn't actually I'm, ever getting broadcast. This is just a therapy <laughs> session for me. I'm just a Zoom call away. Mm, teletherapy. But uh, unfortunately, the majority of the time when porn performers are booked in other things, it is as fucking sex workers or as porn performers or just as themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think Sasha Gray kind of paved a little bit of a way. What, she played a prostitute in the Sodenberg film? Or yeah, she played herself in um, Entourage? There, there was that weird horror one where she's like the nurse on the cover. I'm trying to remember... I want to say it was like a Herschel Gordon Lewis remake right. of something. Um, oh God, I'm trying to. Remember. Yeah, I'm not going to IMDb but it. Th- that's could, but one out of three, you know, mainstream projects that have any notability to them. I don't know what Riley was playing in Piranha, but I can't imagine. I, I think she was the one paragliding. If I remember that correctly. Oh, my foster dog is getting mad. <laughs> But like Entourage had Jesse Jane, Tina Presley, and Devin on it, but they're all playing themselves. Sasha was playing I mean, Sasha I, in Entourage. I, I like when they pop up. You know, I'm always like, oh, hey, you know, I'm one of the pervs that know exactly who that is. Uh, and other people are like, oh, she's cute. What what else is she being in? Like, well, to the Googles. To the Googles, not in a public place. But I mean, that's also kind of the thing. If you can't open your social media in public without being somewhat concerned about who's around you. Are you really using social media the right way? I mean, I just don't give a fuck. Cause if you give me shit about the nudity that you're seeing on my phone, you shouldn't be looking at my fucking phone. <laughs> That's an invasion of my fucking privacy. Motherfucker. I'm not there ashamed. You, you should be ashamed. You have like a lemon, the lemon party is a lock screen kind of thing. No, it's just me masturbating on the credits. I mean, on my own phone, I am that much of a narcissist. <laughs> Duh. It's all it's animated too on the lock screen. Just fair, fair. Oh god, fucking lemon party, blue waffles. Two girls, one cup. Yeah. I mean there's a whole generation that'll never know the horror of one man, one jar. Or the BME Pain Olympics. Just the internet was a wild, wild place not yeah. so long ago. I mean, it was, I still remember the uh, when Netflix dropped that "Don't Fuck with Cats" documentary, and they were like, "Oh, you know, we had we found these videos and we had to, you know, track them down and all that." Like, I remember when those first dropped and be like, "What the fuck is this? Like, that's insane! Like, that was on par with um, those two kids that were posting like uh, the murders they were doing in like Czechoslovakia or some shit like that." Social media and people—they're the worst. They are. <laughs> they absolutely are. And everyone, because of social media now, thinks that, like, this is the key to my 15 minutes of fame. I don't actually have to be good at shit. Just, you know, something I do will hopefully go viral. That's it. And the weird thing is, is that everybody wants to be a star, but they don't want to kind of put the talent or practice into it. and Or, or the time. Right. And so then you're left with this generation of, like, am I good enough kind of thing? 
And it's just this perpetual cycle of, well, I don't know. Do you want to take this anxiety? Do you want to take this depression? No, let's tag team it together. As a content creator, it's also just a, a weird thing to like pour your heart and soul and put out a product that you, you feel is pretty good. And then it's just like, it goes to a certain place, but it doesn't get like the attention you feel it deserves. It, it's, it's an interesting situation because once again, there's no gatekeepers or t- tastemakers being like, oh, hey, we believe in your product too, so we're going to push it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I made my fe- my first feature film, Powerbomb. And I was, you know, it was a labor of love, like it, a lot of uphill challenges with that. And we, we picked up distribution. We were all set to release it, you know, it was getting uh, a physical media release. It was going to hit streaming iTunes and Prime. Um, and then COVID hit. Everybody went into lockdown. And it wasn't like the post news about what was everything going on. It was like right at the, hey, the CDC says you should stay at home and mask up and not go out because there's this thing. So everybody was focused on that. Nobody was watching any content. It was probably, you know, a couple of weeks later when everybody was like, oh, well, I'll just binge watch Tiger King till this whole thing blows over. But... Eh, you can still watch it on on Prime and iTunes. So. You definitely should. You definitely should. Fucking Joe Exotic just captured the hearts of America for a, that one brief moment there. Yeah. Poor bastard even got COVID himself. Yeah, in jail. It kind of yeah. kind of belongs there. Yeah. I guess he used to run around like parts of Southern Ohio back in the day, like you know those like strip malls that would like you know uh, a Radio Shack would close kind of thing, and they'd have They'd open it up and just be like some sedated tiger and, you know, a couple snakes, you know, pythons that were halfway mid through shedding kind of thing. And like, hey, here's a Polaroid picture that'll cost you $15. Like, what? It's not even in focus, dude. Next. You're bothering me, kid. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Meanwhile, you just walking past, you know, one of those nature stores trying to play with those, those rain sticks you turn upside down and all that. Proving that we as a society have always been dumb. We just mm-hmm. amplify it more through social media and the internet. Oh, yeah. You remember how they had the anti-theft devices for cassette tapes? It was like the whole big arm thing wrapped around it in plastic. I always thought they'd make great weapons. <laughs> I like that probably you and I are the only ones that know what the hell I'm talking about. Everybody's like, I can't figure it out. What's what's a Sam Goody? No, there's definitely some other olds that listen to this. They, they know. They know. Yeah. But to think, at least before our time, we our generation wasn't so stupid that they had pet rocks. Because that was a thing in America at one point. But, I mean, people were getting trampled for Cabbage Patch dolls, you know? And Beanie Babies. And fucking Beanie Babies. And Tickle Me yeah. Elmos. Mm-hmm. Like, your elbow, you're really going to trample somebody for your Elmo vibrator? <laughs> My favorite is uh, the, the couple that got divorced and the judge made them divvy up their Beanie Baby collection in the courtroom, like on the floor. Oh, it's great. You can find you can find that online somewhere. It's the most ridiculous thing. I can't believe that actually had to happen. Well, and what's worse now is like how worthless that collection is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like y'all had a major drag out fight in front of a judge over something that is effectively worthless. Now. I I remember when they did the tie in at McDonald's where that was the only place you could get the special one and fucking, you couldn't get a big Mac in under three hours because of that bullshit. 
like marketing is so fucking important. It just illustrates yeah. like if something's marketed well enough, people will buy it blindly. Yeah. Or not but there buy were, it. There were some good movie tie-ins. Like, I mean, we can thank uh, Adam Rifkin's movie, The Small uh, Small Soldiers for the Rodeo Burger. Which did much better than that movie did. True. I mean, Small Soldiers is fun, though, but it's it's so ridiculous. Like, but the Rodeo Burgers. How did they get Dennis Leary in that movie? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, also the yeah, point yeah. where Dennis Leary was doing a bunch of movies. Like, he was in The Ref. He was in... Uh, Suicide Kings. Yeah. Suicide Kings, criminally underrated movie. Like, more people should have seen that movie. Yeah, I would double feature that with uh, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Another great fucking movie. Mm -hmm. I generally double feature uh, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead with uh, Three Days in the Valley. Ooh, okay. Okay. All right. I see where you're going with that. Kind of like, uh, let's see. All right, now we're going to go in two different directions. Are you more of an eight heads in a duffel bag kind of fan or more of a jade fan? Whew. That's a rough call because neither one of those are great films. True. I mean, we could meet in the middle and just watch uh, Bruce Willis and Color of Night. <laughs> fucking Color of Night. That's the one where he's on the fucking boat, right? No, no, no. That's... Um, uh, oh God! What is that? That's the one with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Parker. Yeah, where he's the he's the boat cop. Color of Night is where he's the uh, psychiatrist, and he just basically has sex for like forty five minutes. You see his wang in one of the pool scenes. Things I'd never needed to see or know. Oh come on! You want to see John McClane's rod? I mean, that's what fathered Demetrius Moore's children. So I guess yeah. talk about Die Hard. Oh, oh, oh. You are regretting having me as a guest more and more. I love it. Oh, oof. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm okay with not seeing pretty much anyone's penis. Like, I've seen enough penises in my life. I, I, I'm okay with not really. I'm okay with really not seeing anyone naked unless I'm having sex with them. I'm, I'm okay with it at this point in my life. That's fair. Yeah. I kind of like the older you get, you're just like, eh, like. I mean, there's the morbid curiosity, that kind of thing. But well, I and not to say I don't appreciate like the episode that is coming out tomorrow. Nina Ella is topless for a good chunk of it, and it's like, oh yeah, well I appreciate that Nina's boobs were out. But okay. it's just like at the end of the day, I like, don't super care. Like any particular reason was that like a prerequisite or something? No, it just happened. I mean, like should just, I be topless? I didn't get this memo. I mean, it just sometimes <laughs> happens on this fucking show. People just get fucking topless, and you can check that on the video version. <laughs> This is why we're on Vimeo, because because uh, I let people know like, hey, we're on Vimeo. You can get naked if you want, and some people are like, okay then. And I always encourage such things because it people buy the episode, which is also ridiculous because it's like the people that are generally getting naked, you could literally watch have sex for you know no money if you're going to the hub. Yeah, but I mean, as an adult, pay for your porn. Yes, please pay for your fucking porn. Like if, if you know if you're 15 and you have two bars of Wi-Fi, like I, I get it. Get, I, I do not. I, mean? I do not encourage minors consuming pornography. Do not encourage such things. No, ni neither do I. But I also don't want to go back to the days of like finding sticky magazines in the woods. Why was it always uh, the woods? Why? Right. Right. Why? And I feel like publications like that, like I kind of miss 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, like swank cherry. Cherry club. Had like club international. Cl- yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, no, uh, the one, the, the one gal that I just worked with, uh, Felicia Fisher, she is, uh, in the new issue of hustler. So check that out. It's interesting to me. Like who still buys print magazines? Like who still buys those? I mean, I, is, is hustler for the articles? I don't even know. Well, but who's jerking off to stills? <laughs> I, I mean, I appreciate old school smut. Like I have a kind of a collection of it, like black and white, like, you know, uh, I have a couple original, like Betty page stuff like that. Yeah. But um, are you jerking off to it? No, I haven't framed it on my wall. Right. And, so like the, that's for the art of it, not to buy the yeah. self gratification. Yeah. But I guess like, I don't, is there like a booming prison market? Maybe. I mean, we do incarcerate a lot of people in America. True. More so than any nation in the world. Right. Which is pretty impressive when you consider like some authoritarian regimes out there. Then again, they probably just kill people. True. We just want to use them for free labor. So, Oh, it's not free. They get three cents an hour. (laughs) Oh God. Which helps repay their debt to society. Fucking America. Yeah. People. They're the worst. Yep, yep. It's a it's a wild place we live in. Is it? Yeah. Like it's so it's so weird because it's like it's so hypocritical at times. Like right now, everyone is trying to jump on the whole legalized marijuana craze, right? Recreational cannabis and what have you. And you know, people are building all these like vape shops and things like that. And you walk in and it's like a bank fucked uh, uh, an Apple iStore. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, what the fuck is this nonsense? And meanwhile, you know, you have people that are, you know, felons for for doing the same thing that these quote unquote businessmen are are doing now. Um, I, I don't know. And those people should be released if they were nonviolent crimes. Those people should be fucking out of prison. Yeah. I mean, you're just perpetuating a cycle of, you know, they're they're incarcerated and they have to come out and you know, get reacclimated, you know, no one wants to hire them. You know what I mean? Like housing, you know, the, I mean, the, the stigma behind it all. The, if you, know. you go to prison, you have pretty much two choices. When you come out, get into entertainment or go back to prison. Yep. Entertainment for, will take you like, uh, as long as you can provide a skill, entertainment will fucking take you. Yep. Yeah. Or go work a kitchen, but you know, that's yeah. not well, well-paying or glamorous and, at all. I love that the pro wrestler Nick Gage uh, debuted on AEW. Uh, he was uh, a bank robber, an incarcerated bank robber. Oh, I, I um, just I just watched uh, his Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a bank robber once. It wasn't like he was a serial yeah. bank robber. True, he, but he I also mean, did it like with no mask on, like just kind of walked true, in. And, too. But it's also one of those things like if you only ever fuck one goat, I'm going to call you a goat fucker the rest of your life. It's true. That's true. But he wasn't, I mean, he just wasn't a very good bank robber. Yeah. Like no plan had to turn himself in. Cause you know, relatively famous to a degree. It's like, Hey, did Nick Gage just rob that bank? Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite was when he just had that match with Chris Jericho 
and he his latest gag is to have this pizza cutter and uh he took the pizza cutter to chris jericho's forehead and he's just got the whole crimson mask he's just bleeding bleeding and then they cut to a picture in picture because that's how they do the commercials um and it's nick gage taking the pizza cutter to his forehead and up, up pops a domino's ad <laughs> and it's just the whole you know the shot it's the pizza cutter through the slices and steaming the steaming pile rising up the camera kind of thing and meanwhile jericho's just <laughs> did you watch his dark side uh yeah yeah, yeah. those dark sides were dope those oh, yeah. um uh a, a good chunk of those were done by um jason eisner who did uh hobo with a shotgun and he shot a large chunk of um trailer park boys uh cuz he's from Nova Scotia and that's uh so Mr. Leahy uh his real life daughter is the female lead in Hobo with a shotgun okay so that's the whole little connection just uh, how it all comes yeah. together yeah no I, I i would be great at bar trivia if i ever left my house <laughs> maybe one day Zach. one day you can leave leave your house but seriously though on a real as a filmmaker why are you still in ohio uh, well, the thing is, I I moved from Ohio to New York, and I was there for about 10 years, and I worked on a slew of uh, TV shows like Rescue Me, Fringe, before I moved to Canada, um, Lights Out, the FX show, Boxing One, um, Good Wife, um, Running Wild, and like uh, a bunch of like, did a few blockbuster movies like Salt, taking Pelham 123. Uh, worked on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm um, sorry, Indiana Jones ones. I worked on the part where it's the the chase scene through the college. So okay, at least that's not the chase the scene. Stuff. Yeah, now the jungle like monkey chased through vines. Yeah, yeah, no, no CGI ants or anything like that. Um, and then like I worked on a bunch of like indie films and things like that. Like um, there was one year where two films I was an assistant director uh, on went to Sundance, and one of them won. Uh, uh, won the grand jury prize. It was uh, Sangre de Mi Sangre, Blood of My Blood, um, which is really cool. I, I, you know, but th- that wasn't really putting rent in my pocket. Like I can't pay my landlord with with street cred. Um, and you know, at the time I was uh, I was missing my family. Like my nephews were growing up kind of without me. My mom was recovering from uh, breast cancer at the time. Because I, after I graduated college, I, I moved back home to kind of take care of her because she had a uh, gastric bypass surgery mm. and lost a bunch of weight. And when she did, they found a lump in her breast and she ended up having a, a double mastectomy. And um, so I kind of took care of her. And then I was working three jobs at the same time. Um, then I saved up enough money to move to New York and then did all that. And then um, I was in a relationship at the time and then that went tits up and uh so I decided to move back and I was paying, you know, an eighth of my rent back in Ohio. And then, uh, yeah, I moved back and I was like, you know what? I want to start making uh, my own stuff because I was in New York and, you know, I was on the DGA track. You know, I had my days. I was ready to go union. I had, you know, other friends that did so and they're making good money. You know, they had all the benefits and things like that, but they never saw their their family, never saw their loved ones. And it's like, oh, awesome, dude. Like you made a bunch of money. Um, you can't spend it because you don't have any time off. And now your name is in the credits for the live action underdog. Woo! You know, like I didn't want to be a part of that. So uh moved back to Ohio and I got to see a lot of my family. 
Um, and, you know, but my folks started having health problems and things like that. So I was able to help out, but uh, started a production company with some friends and, uh, you know, that's passed on now. But um, I started to make my own stuff, started shorts and music videos. And that's how I was able to uh, build up a repertoire to convince people to do a feature and shooting in Ohio. Like I know uh, California, like you, you even take the lens cap off of your camera and they're asking, you know, for a handout and where's your permit um here if you're doing you know, it illegally if you're doing it yeah. legally um i mean here you know people are they'll trip over themselves like oh i get to be in a movie well here you go here's here's my grandma's underwear <laughs> use it for whatever you want um so I, I find that i can kind of get away with a bit more and kind of speaking on that digital age is that now i you know i can i've got friends that edit and in Portland and Chicago and, you know, I can zip files anywhere. I can chime in people, you know, flights are cheap enough to fly people in and, and break it up. Um, you know, we're talking about recording and things like that. ADR is, is easier now than ever. Um, so yeah, I kind of miss big crews and big projects and things like that. Cleveland is slowly starting to get it. Um, the worst part I find is the networking. There's a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool shit, but it's always, um, kind of like when you go see a, uh, a band and you see a flyer and it's like, oh, they were in town. Awesome. Let's get tickets. Oh, no, that was last night when you weren't here. Um, so that's kind of how that feels. But um, no, I, 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 I want my community to be a product of me and not the other way around. Um, so that's, you know, I, I started doing a bit more things like I started volunteering at the LGBT uh, center here in Cleveland. Um I'm on my third foster dog. The two previous ones found homes. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, give back and and do a little bit more than just chase rent when I was living in New York. I'd love to go to LA. Um, I, you know, I love visiting there, but I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. I love visiting. Um, LA is like my nephews, you know, I'll play, but that you're, you belong to someone else. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, my audience is well aware. I love it here. I fucking love it. I love living in LA. Nothing could convince me to move back to Chicago. Nothing. Not even Boys Town? Definitely not Boys Town. <laughs> I, I do miss Italian beefs from Chicago. I wish that was a thing you, you, we could get in Cleveland. I don't know why we can't, but. I mean, if you make it to Indiana, there are Portillo's in Indiana. So you can True. almost, yeah. you're, you're not too far. We thankfully have a Portillo's in the Orange County suburbs, so I can occasionally get a real Italian beef out here. Okay. So if I visit, we're going to Portillo's? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Yeah. And we got Sweet. real pizza out here now, too, so it's like I, I got the staples as when I need it. Nice. Well, you tell uh, uh, Leroy that I want to intern, too. <laughs> he has to get back from Canada first, so. Oh, he's yeah. stuck in Canada. Geez. He's just been, well, he chose to be in Toronto for all of COVID. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think the TIFF is kicking off soon, isn't it? Toronto International Film Fest? Probably. I know Fantasia just started. Um, yeah, film festivals right now are super weird because everything went digital, but now they're trying to get back. But I yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I have no interest in attending a film festival digitally. I want to go like, I want to look at a flyer, make rash decisions about like, that sounds cool. And just walk into a theater. That's definitely the way to do it. One of these days I'm going to skip AVN and go work Sundance, do whatever I do have to do to get be at Sundance. 
can I pretend to be you at the AVN? I, if you really want to. Okay, fair. I'll go. I was always fascinated by the AV at the AVNs because I, I used that was one job I used to have was doing live event production and you know rigging lights and projectors and and sound systems and things like that and just like seeing what goes into the AVNs. I'm like, wow, that's super cool. Like the techno cranes that they have and uh, the, you know the movers and and all that lighting rig and things like that. So um, yeah, it's probably one of those things. Like it's it's like you know, junk food. Like, look how cool this wrapper is. I, nobody fucking cares. Open it up and let me get to it. Yeah, it, there's a fair amount of production value on that a fucking award show. I mean, there there really is. It ends up on fucking Showtime for a reason. Like, it's not like it was like in the 70s where it was just like, oh, hey, some dudes that do porn are like playing in the band as a live entertainment. Because <laughs> if you look at like the history of that award show, like back when it first started, it was like, Real small and real weird. Yeah. Well, I always like the Lifetime Achievement Awards. Like, I like that they finally gave one to uh, uh, Long Jean Silver. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the Hall of Fame is growing. It's good yeah. shit. It's good shit. Absolutely. But, Zach, but yeah, I'll pretend to be Matt Slayer. All right. All right. You're going to have to do a bunch of podcasts while you're there, then. Okay, we'll figure it out. I, I mean, I'll stick a microphone in someone's face. I don't. I won't guarantee it's recording. Well, that's not doing a podcast if you just stick a mic in their face. <laughs> Has to be on. I have to have content. Fair, fair. And you'll have to be fairly drunk most of the time because that's pretty much my MO at ABN is just being shithoused for most of the weekend. <laughs> I can dig it. Absolutely. But, Zach, we're going to get you out of here. We're going to call last call on this motherfucker. It's been a pleasure. Where can they find you on the things? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Zach for Zombies. Z-A-C-H-F-O-R-Z-O-M-B-I-E-S. Talk to me. At me. I love talking with random people about random stuff. As you probably tell about this podcast, I'm a little bit all over the place. I'm a Zach of all trades, a master of none. Awesome. If they want to see Powerbomb, where can they see it? Oh, you can uh, rent and purchase Powerbomb on Amazon Prime and iTunes. It's got a Matt Cross in it from Lucha Underground, which was on Netflix. I think it still is. Uh, Brit, Dr. Dr. Britt Baker from AEW um, also has uh, the handicap hero, Gregory Iron, the only wrestler with cerebral palsy, as well as uh, WWE's Adam Cole. Very cool. Very cool. Zach, it was a goddamn pleasure. And Likewise. As- I f- I feel like this has been years in the making. I agree. I agree. And I'm, you know, normally there's a prohibition on doing remote shows because in the grand scheme of things, I hate doing this remotely. I really do. I prefer to do this in person and get silly with it. But yeah, the times we live in, and I'm happy to have you on since we're doing it remotely. Thank you so much for having me. I, I genuinely, genuinely mean that. Well, until next time, drink up, motherfuckers.